Welcome to the Littler International Employment Law Podcast Series. Conversations for the multinational employer on issues impacting their global business. Hello, welcome to How to Do Business in the America series as part of Littler's international initiative, Florida as the Gateway to the Americas. This is the first of a series of podcasts dealing with issues employers face while doing business in the Americas. My name is Juan Carlos Varela, and I am an international attorney and shareholder at Littler Mendelssohn, and I will be hosting this podcast. The topic for today is 2023 Outlook for the Americas, how to prepare your workforce for a year full of challenges. And to go over this topic, we have two wonderful guests. Today with us, Laurie Brown. Littler shareholder, office manager of Littler's Miami office, and member of Littler's management committee, and Jorge Salas Boyoli, Littler shareholder of our offices in Mexico, our three offices in Mexico. So let's start with you, Laurie. First, welcome and thank you for being with us today. I believe personally that you have a very unique perspective, both as law practitioner in labor and employment matters and also as key member of Littler's Management Committee. So I'm very curious about your thoughts about today's topic. So tell us, how do you see this year in the U.S. from the labor and employment perspective? Well, first, thank you, Juan Carlos. It's a pleasure to be here, and good afternoon or good morning, everyone, depending on when you're going to listen to this. Juan Carlos, I think that we continue here at Littler and and certainly in what we see with our clients to wrestle with the question of how we return to work. (laughs) We're now in the post-pandemic workplace and we're still suffering from, I think, COVID fatigue on the significant impacts of what we all went through in 2020 and 2021. To break that down a little bit, we saw the, the workforce have to acclimate to work in a way that none of us ever thought was possible, meaning work from home, navigate personal circumstances, trying to create a workplace out of your home. And everyone had to, to acclimate and adjust to a very, very, very different way of working and navigating home life. And then as we started to emerge from the pandemic, we asked for everyone to, to once again, change their mindset and to think about the the idea of returning to work after I think we all can say that we worked so hard on adjusting to working in a very different way. And so it's a lot of change that I think we were asking of, of our workforces. So we all remember, you know, not too long ago that we started hearing about the war on talent and how the war on talent was being affected by return to work considerations. And so you had this collision course between employers who were desperately trying to retain their talent and a talent, um, you know, a workforce out there that wanted to dictate how they worked. So this became, I think in 2021 and 2022, and I think will continue to be the storyline around how we continue to retain talent who is going through this constant reevaluation of work. How do we retain talent? How do we keep them engaged? How do we provide purpose? How do we provide optionality and flexibility and mobility in how they work? So all of those considerations are sitting out there. 
to the point where I think now a phrase that you hear Littler use quite a lot is the wandering worker. We've gone from all being quarantined to wondering how to go back to the office. And now we have literally employees who are working in remote scenarios who are working from areas where they've never before worked. And we as employers are trying to to figure out how to monitor that and how to continue to get the best from our folks while getting uh, our operational needs met. So we started with the retention concerns as we're trying to come back to the office. Then we have sort of wandered into what to do with the wandering worker, if you will. So all that having been said, now we find ourselves heading into some uncertain, potentially uncertain economic times where there's pressure you know, bearing down on U.S. employers. We're all seeing the same headlines of companies that are starting to affect layoffs, reorganizations. So now I think for 2023, it becomes for employers all about riding, continue to ride that retention roller coaster while facing these economic headwinds that we're reading about consistently. So I think that's all to say, Juan Carlos, it's going to be an interesting year for employers in the U.S. and certainly in Florida, given those factors. Yes, indeed. And and in fact, when we were talking um, a few days ago about the topic, you mentioned that we went from the great resignation to the now the great uh, reflection. I think that you you mentioned that. But let's let's stop here on that thought. I, I would like to turn to Jorge now and see his perspective about the outlook in Mexico. Jorge, welcome. Thank you as well for your time. I understand that Mexico is undergoing important, very important changes in many fronts, politically, economically, and so on, but especially in labor and employment. I mean, you have been in the office in Mexico, offices in Mexico has been very, very busy. How do you see 2023 in your country? More changes to come? It's just the beginning. Tell us a little bit about it. Hi, Juan Carlos. Uh, hello, Laurie. It's a pleasure share with both of you this conversation and thank you for this uh, opportunity. I see the future in Mexico in a very hopeful way. I see also with a big challenges. In Littler, like a real global firm, we see a lot of interesting opportunities from both sides of the border and in all the world, especially since we think uh, uh, in a, like Mexico, it's a very strategical opportunity. First, I'm going to tell you uh, that, as maybe you know, uh, macroeconomic stability is expected in Mexico at this moment, but uh, with a very low growth. But at the end of the day, we have a lot of stability in all the macroeconomic indicators. Second, it's interesting that we have elections uh, that will take place the following year, but the campaigns begin on this year. And it's the same in U.S. and Mexico. That is something that only happened every 24 years that uh, two elections fit. And uh, as you know, we have uh, interesting leaderships on the presidents in both countries uh, because they have some uh, kind of uh, empathic point of view since uh, union matters, for instance. Um, in fact, uh, another issue that we discover is the near shoring. That is a great opportunity for Mexico, especially if we think about the conflict between China and U.S. And we think also about our uh, great uh, geographical situation that we have for our U.S. 
uh, investment people. Um, also, as maybe you know, we are facing the major labor amendment in the last century in Mexico that became more democratic, all the union matters and all the leaderships related with uh, CBAs and, and union also. If, if I think in, on, on some challenges, interesting also, I would like to mention, and maybe we can talk later about that, that uh, we have some pendings related labor market in Mexico. The first one is the labor poverty. Uh, more than 50% of the people uh, who live on the labor market in Mexico live on labor poverty. That implies that they don't have enough uh, labor income to pay the minimum uh, basket uh, or food basket uh, requirements. And the other big issue that we have like a pending is related the non-formal labor market. We have uh, almost 60% of our workforce in Mexico that they work outside the formal market. That implies that they don't have social security, they don't have uh, benefits, and, and sometimes they don't have also a contract. So uh, that's uh, some of the issues. Uh, for sure, Mexico is attractive for uh, investment because we have a very competitive salaries. And also, uh, we have the USMCA with a rapid response mechanism that already proved that it's working and is working good. And I think that sent a very interesting message from our Canadian and uh, US investment. So this is a very quick outlook. Uh, Juan Carlos, happy to discuss deeply any of them. Yeah, this looks like a very exciting times uh, for Mexico indeed. And before going back to Laurie, I want to know more, uh, a little bit more about the recent reform, specifically what you said about um, more democratic approach to unions. And I, I wonder if you have seen more union activism in Mexico after the reform, or do you think that's pretty much the same? And what will be, in your opinion, the outlook for this year? Yeah, well, for sure that we are going to leave uh, more uh, union activists, for sure. Uh, just keep in mind that Mexico came from a very surrealistic uh, union tradition. Union leaders, like in other parts of LATAM, they have a lot of power. They don't need the support of the people to call to strike a company. They don't need the support of the workers to enforce a company to sign a CBA. And with this reform, that is the product of our of the pressure that we receive of our uh, commercial partners. Now they have to go with the people and ask for any single union act through uh, a ballot and through a direct secret vote to have any kind of action. So now the unions will have to work a campaign to convince the people and obtain votes. So that uh, open a great activist from the union. We are waiting like a labor tsunami or a labor summer in Mexico. And that's a challenge because also the employers have to learn to make interaction with the union in the past the Mexican employers are not used to have interaction with the union. They only pay for a non-active union fees and they forgot during the year, like an insurance, you know? So uh, they have that kind of challenge in the future. Thank you. And going back to, to you, Laurie, and the great resignation, 
I remember that last year in, in May in our employer, we have this wonderful presentation about the topic. And when we were talking about the, the issue, you mentioned, well, now is now different. It's a great reflection. It's how, how are reflecting people in whether to resign or not. So if you can tell us a little bit more about it and how, how employers can be prepared and if you can share how Littler is preparing for that. Sure, sure. Well, I think, Juan Carlos, it all starts with meeting our employees where they are and understanding where it is that our employees are at this moment in time. And that's namely, I think the word I used was either a, a reflection or a reevaluation. Yes, correct. Yes. That's right. So so we went from our great resignation to the great reevaluation. And I think it all starts with why that reevaluation occurred. And not to get too terribly psychological on all this for a second, but I think in our business, we, we do tend to be observers of human capital and some of the behavioral shifts that go on there. And so far as I can tell, the, the pandemic changed everyone. The pandemic changed everyone in the sense that it gave us a different lens through which to view how we value work and where work fits into our hierarchy of priorities. And for better or for worse, a lot of folks came out of the pandemic with the ability to withstand uncertainty on a greater level, meaning that at one time it would have seemed unthinkable to have gone without a job or to have reduced your work hours or to have reduced your income. And, you know, not to be too dramatic about this, but during the pandemic, we lived through months where we we feared for our safety. We watched loved ones die or loved ones of friends. Um, no one was unscathed during that time, as we all, you know, so sadly remember and to some extent continue to experience today. And and I think it changed us in the sense that we came out of that. This is the collective we <laughs> uh, came out of this being more focused on what we wouldn't wouldn't tolerate in terms of a employer employee relationship. And so how that translates into challenges for employers is we've got more work to do to understand the mindset in which we find our current workforce. And I think we also have to be far more intentional in how we communicate the priorities and the philosophical mindset of our organizations. And what I mean by that really, and here's a great example, is we have to get more comfortable communicating why why we're doing certain things. Coming back to the office is a perfect example. So many leaders and organizations have made the mistake of focusing so much on how we would get people back, which days, which hours, which teams, which jobs, you name it. Whereas so many of our employees have wondered, that's all fine, but why? You know, Why is coming to the office important? Why is coming back to the workplace important? And it doesn't just depend on the business model. It depends on what it is that you're seeking to accomplish. And so purpose is motivating and employees these days want to know that they are part of something that matters. You know, we're seeing that as it relates to driving unionization efforts in the U.S. Those, those two are, are highly connected. So understanding why you're asking what you're asking of folks, making sure that they understand the purpose. Why do you want them back? Do you want them back because it helps them develop as employees, as lawyers, as doctors, you name it? 
or are you looking to check boxes? And I think we have to be really careful and intentional to know that employees are very, very smart and looking to know that we are being thoughtful in the demands that we place on their time. And they're also, as I said, making sure, they wanna make sure that our purposes, that the organizational purpose aligns with something that matters to them. So I think that's part of this whole shift, Juan Carlos, in terms of this whole reevaluation. I think our employees are reevaluating everything right now, but um, certainly within Littler and our chief talent officer, Melissa C is, has, has taught us a lot in this space that this is, an unprecedented opportunity to redefine how we connect with and relate to our employees. And so we would be wise to pay attention to what they're saying and to listen to them and to make sure that operationally we are doing everything that we can to show them that as we evolve out of this post-pandemic stage, that we're in it with them and we're all listening to one another. And that's completely uh, right. I mean, I, I agree 100%. And, and in fact, if you see the Americas in general, this re-evaluation of things is happening everywhere. For instance, Colombia is embarking on a radical new labor reform. Chile is changing its constitution. Brazil is also expecting to change a lot of the labor and employment regulations that were enacted in a prior administration. So 2023 appears to be you know, another year of a lot of changes. So uh, before we finish, I just, uh, I just want to invite the audience to visit our website, letter.com, to get more information of future events and to stay tuned for more about our Florida International Initiative, Florida the, as the gateway to the Americas. And thanks again to Lori and Jorge for your thoughts, your insights, and of course, your time in this podcast. Thank you very much. Stay safe. The purpose of this program is to provide helpful information for employers addressing the latest developments in labor and employment relations. It is not a substitute for experienced legal counsel and does not provide legal advice or attempt to address the numerous factual issues that arise in any employment-related issue. To discover other labor and employment podcast series from Littler, the largest global employment and labor law practice, visit littler.com slash podcasts.